Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the last chapter of I Needed a Neighbor by Patricia Sanjin with permission of Christian Union Publications. And we are on the second part. It was a full fortnight later before Merritt was allowed to leave the shelter. She had been very ill indeed, and there had been a time when the nurse in charge had thought that she was slipping away. Now the worst was over, but she could not summons up the energy to start again. She had clung to life because she loved Tikla, and she still loved him, but at that moment the very thought of him made her want to die with exhaustion. And then, as she lay motionless one afternoon, Emma came, her eyes shining and full of excitement, and told her by interpretation that her father had turned up. Merritt was very weak, and her first reaction was to weep for her mother. But when the first storm of grief was over, it dawned her on her slowly that she now had a father, and the news could not have come at a better time. She lay gazing through the doorway to the sun-kissed distances in the blue sky and knew that she need never again shoulder the responsibilities of Tikla or the future. She could lay it down forever and rest in the knowledge that all plans and all provisions were now in Tisva's hands. The great conflict of living was over, and she relaxed in the peace of it. Her racing pulse slowed, and her rapid breathing quietened, and she slept. She's a lot better, the nurse in charge told Emma. She's going to make it. Charlie was thrilled at what had happened and seemed to think that he had helped bring this extraordinary meeting about. He found out that the day of Merritt's release from the shelter and organized a trip to the north camp. On the way there, he would drop Tisva at the middle camp and pick him up again on his way home. He'd even asked Tisva whether he would prefer to go and live with his children in the camp and had waited with bated breath for his answer. But once again, Tisva had worked out that by kids, Charlie did not mean baby goats. He had shaken his head. He preferred to work for his children and to save up to take them home. And so the great day came. Merritt, looking like a living skeleton, was disinfected and released. But Emma had taken a personal interest in the reunion and found her a blue dress with a, from a parcel of old clothes and a blue hair ribbon that almost matched. And Merritt sat on a rug looking around her and feeling very beautiful. The scorching heat was over and during her illness the earth had responded to the rain and the land was green right to the horizon. Then she saw her father coming from the center with Tikla in his arms. She tried to get up to greet him but found that she was too weak to rise. They sat together for a long time. Tikla happy and trustful as though he and his father had never been parted. Merritt shy and a little withdrawn because neither was the person that the other had known previously. She had grown up and he had aged, as though a lifetime of sorrow had been condensed into those five months. They would have to get to know each other all over again, but at least they made a start that afternoon. Father, said Merritt, when shall we go home? He sat considering. Not for this sewing, little daughter, he replied. We are too late for harvest, and you are too weak to walk. We will not go back to the city. We will go to your grandfather's farm in time to plow and sow before the lesser rains come. I believe that many, many will go with us. I will work and save to buy seed and an ox, and we will rebuild what was broken down and plant the empty fields. Merritt smiled. It was another six months before they would start, but she had learned to wait. I will come to the village and look for you, Fikra had said, and she was sure he would keep his word. He would be a teacher, and together they would rebuild the scattered community. On the enormous hazards of war, poverty, and further drought, she refused to think. This was a time for hoping and starting again. In any case, they were no longer her responsibility. She had a father. 
She was too tired to talk for long, and they sat in comfortable silence, enjoying the freshness and the greenness around them, until Charlie returned. Tisva also looked ahead in hope. He had been brought up on a farm, and he knew the cycle of seasons in the crops, and he would learn the new sciences of irrigation and terracing from his own people in the rest camp. But he knew, too, that seed was scarce, and the ox cost a fortune. He knew that war was not over, and that the guerrillas in the mountains would not give in. The enemy planes would return over and over again, wiping out many little village. He knew that the rains might fail again in any season and that worm and pest might strike in any year. He knew that the charity of the West was an uncertain commodity. Once a new sensation took place of starving babies on the telescopes and screens, most of the giving would cease and the hungry would be forgotten. But he had come home to his living children and he had found peace. They would live a day at a time and he need not be crushed by the burden of the future. He, too, had a father. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and we will be reading a, a new book um, in a day or two here. We'll give it a little bit of a rest and then start it again. Thank you so much for coming and listening, and I hope you were blessed by it. And the Lord bless you. I'm praying for you. I love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.